Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through and only through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So he is a three-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. As a driver, and twice a NASCAR Cup Series champion as a team owner. Throughout his racing career, he's won titles or championships in the IndyCar Series, in midgets, sprint cars, and the USAC Silver Crown cars, and in go-karts uh, as well. And he's the only driver in history to win a championship in both the IndyCar Series and NASCAR. I'm speaking, of course, of Tony Stewart. And some of you may remember uh, this past July at the 4-H Fair, the racetrack was renamed Tony Stewart Speedway. And he's promised to come and race there every year at the fair, and I know he has in the past, and I trust he will continue to do so. Tony Stewart also owns a home here in Columbus. And I believe if you go across the street, across Central into Mead Village, you'll find a, a park there in which uh, the playground equipment was donated by Tony. It's kind of a car-themed uh, playground. Uh, I know he donates through his foundation to the local Humane Society and a host of other charities in the community. And so Roman numeral one in your sermon outline, this is on page nine of your bulletin, uh, we, we begin with this thought, local boy makes good. Local boy makes good. And uh, Tony, point number one under part A, Tony, Tony remembers Columbus. And Columbus remembers him. I think he said of himself, I will try never to forget where I'm from. And so far, I think he's made good on that. People here respect him because he's not forgotten where he's from. But what if, and this is point number two, what if, like, like some celebrities, what if Tony Stewart never came back here? What if he never lived here again? Maybe he went off to Martha's Vineyard or someplace and, and bought some property and resided out there on the East Coast. What if he gave to numerous charities but none in Columbus, none in Bartholomew County? What would people think of Tony Stewart then? People might be a little bit angry. People might say things like, he's forgotten where he's from. What does he care about us? Now that's not who he is, but what if? I think the opinions that people have locally might be a little different. 
Well, Jesus is also a local boy who makes good. He was raised at Nazareth. And we read at the beginning of our gospel lesson on page eight, verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. This is after his temptation in the wilderness. And a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding district. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. He's making a name for himself. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's preaching good news, and people are impressed with the words that fall from his lips. And then he comes back to where he's raised. Point number one under part B, he comes back to where he had been, your translation says brought up. Uh, the word in the Greek is a little more graphic. It's where he had been nourished or fed. The word there means to nourish, to feed someone, to nurture. He comes back to where he had been nurtured, nourished. And you know, some people say it takes a village to raise a child. There were probably people in Nazareth who maybe changed his diapers. They watched over him. They might have taught him. They've, they've invested in this man. And they like him. They like him until he begins to speak. Well, not quite that extreme, but when he gets so far along in what he has to say, all of a sudden, things flip. Point number two, he knows their thoughts. And you see this in verse 23. He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me. He knows what they're going to say. This proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Help us. We're sick. We have demon problems here. It was Simeon who, when Jesus was a babe, Simeon was handed the babe, and he said to the mother of Jesus, he said this, this one is appointed for the fall and for the rise of many in Israel and for a sign that will be spoken against, and a sword will pierce your own soul as well, and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. We see that here. We see it throughout the Gospel of Luke. Jesus perceived their thoughts and said or did this or that. He knew what they were thinking and he responded to their thoughts. And we see it again here. The people at Nazareth think in this way. If he was that good to the people in Capernaum who are strangers to him, how much good do you think he's going to do us? 
What do we have to look forward to? We. We raised him. We nourished him. Lowercase a, they feel entitled to his attention. They feel entitled to his attention. You know, Jesus tells a parable, this is later, this is in Luke 13, where at, at his return, it's, it's as if the door to heaven closes, the door shuts, and suddenly people outside the door start knocking. Let us in, let us in. I never knew you. No, 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 no. We ate and drank with you. You taught in our streets. We know you. We have a claim on you. No, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers, you see. They feel entitled because they've got some earthly connection to him. It could be biological, you know, they, they're part, the children of Abraham. It could be that he's from their hometown. They feel entitled. And they resent any attention shown to others. When you have a spirit of entitlement, you resent what God gives to someone else. We see that in the book of Jonah, where at the preaching of Jonah, the people of Nineveh repent in sackcloth and ashes, and God relents from the disaster he had planned to send upon them. And what does Jonah do? Jonah's angry. He complains. He says, Lord, this is exactly why I ran away from you in the first place. This is exactly what I knew what would happen because you are a God who is merciful and forgiving. And he was right. And Jonah resented the favor that God was showing to others. So, lowercase b, do we feel that way? Do we feel that way? I was raised in a loving home, a loving mother and father. We were not wealthy, but if I wanted something, I had only to ask. And often I didn't even have to ask. My parents paid my way through college. I didn't have to work. Shortly after graduation, my mother passed away. And a couple years later, my dad remarried. And he remarried a woman who had several children of her own, younger than my sister and I, and, and my dad was very good to them. Eventually, my dad passed away. And I can remember standing at his graveside, my 
mother-in-law handing me the will, a copy of the will. I didn't open it then, I opened it later and read that everything had been left to her. I mean, everything. And I had to admit, it hurt. But then I thought, my dad has been very, very good to me. Am I envious because he is generous? You know, I, I share that with you because that's how God is. Jesus told a parable about this, the parable in Matthew 20 of the workers in the vineyard and you know those who are hired first and they, they bear the heat of the day and they agree with the owner for a denarius, which is a fair day's wage. But throughout the day he keeps hiring other workers and even up to the very last hour and, and when he pays those hired last, he pays them first, they get a denarius. And, and those who worked, were hired early and bore the heat of the day they rub their hands together and say, wow, you know, we're going to really make out like bandits here because if they get it in areas, how much more will we get? It was that sense of entitlement. And the owner asks, am I not allowed to do what I want with what is mine? Or are you envious because I'm generous? That's how God is. He's good to everybody. Not just you, and not just me. Roman numeral two, God gives by grace, not by right. Not by right. <clears throat> and God's always flipping things. You know, he's always inverting the order, the natural order of things that we expect uh, that, that we feel and sense of entitlement regarding. For example, um, throughout Scripture, it's very often the younger child that ends up with the blessing. You know, this, you, you see this with Rebecca. She has Jacob and Esau in her womb. And notice I say Jacob first. He's the younger. But God said the elder shall serve the younger. He just, God flips it, you see. We expect certain things, and God reminds us again and again that we can't operate on the basis of what we expect. We operate on the basis of God's generosity. What we expect is, is twisted by our sinful nature. It, it will miss God every time. It will get him wrong repeatedly. Paul says in Romans 9, just quoting from Hosea, those who were not my people, God says, I will call my people. Those who were not beloved, I will call beloved. You see, God cares for everyone, not just us.
And letter A, he refuses the deserving and seeks the undeserving. I should say those who know they're undeserving. We're all undeserving. (laughs) But only some of us realize that. For example, throughout the Gospels, uh, the Pharisees demand, show us a sign and we'll believe in you, Jesus. Show us a sign. As if they're ignoring all the signs that he's revealed already. Their hearts are hard. They're not going to accept another sign. They've they've already rejected numerous signs. (laughs) But they ask for another one. It's their unbelief, you see. Jesus doesn't respond to unbelief. He doesn't serve unbelief. God gives freely. That means willingly, not coerced, not manipulated into doing it. He gives freely, or he doesn't give at all. Or he doesn't give at all. And verses 25 to 27 foreshadow the ministry to the Gentiles. And this was predicted throughout, from Genesis on through the prophets, you know. God said to to Abraham, in your seed, meaning Christ, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And what we see in our gospel lesson for today, the rejection of Jesus at Nazareth is just another foreshadowing of the cross. It is another reminder of what Jesus said in Luke 6. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For so they spoke well of the false prophets before you. Blessed are you when men revile you and say evil things about you for my sake, because of my word. You stand on my word and People oppose, blessed are you. For so they oppose the prophets of God who were before you. This foreshadows all of that. And point number two, when giving is expected, even demanded, it robs the giver of joy and it robs the recipient of gratitude. You know, Jesus, uh, he's quoted in Acts chapter 20 as having said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's joy in that. But not when the giving is demanded. I mean, that's the difference between giving here and paying taxes, right? I mean, there's consequences if you don't pay the taxes. But Christian stewardship is a joyful response to God's grace. It's it's a willing response, not coerced, not manipulated. At least it should not be. It robs the giver of joy. It robs the recipient of gratitude. And point B, God's gifts are guaranteed. They're assured to us by grace alone. If salvation, if forgiveness was a matter of our performance, we'd all be lost. You know that. I know that. The only way it can be assured to you if it's, if it's based on Christ's performance and not yours or mine. Our salvation is based on the rock-solid foundation of what Jesus has done for us because what Jesus does, whatever he does, is completely done and done well. 
The point is, we're so sinful that even God's generosity, something as good as his generosity can cause us to stumble when we see that generosity directed towards someone else. And that sense of entitlement is deadly. It's deadly. Because if God gave us what we are entitled to, we'd all perish. If he gave us what we deserve, we'd all be lost. Because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, and by free gift I mean independent of your performance or my performance, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And because of Jesus, our innate sense of entitlement is already forgiven. Because of Christ, our innate sense of envy is already forgiven. God gives freely, he gives willingly out of love for you and for me, or he does not give at all. He does not owe us forgiveness. He does not owe us a paycheck. He does not owe us another day or hour of life. And the sooner we believe that, the more grateful we will be for our forgiveness. The sooner we believe that, the more grateful we will be for every paycheck, for every day, and for every hour of life. In Jesus' name. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.